Welcome to the Sip and Feast podcast. Today we're talking, well, what are we talking about today, Tara? Today is an excerpt out of the Delhi Chronicles. This is a great idea. This is really in response to the video that was put out for the Delhi potato salad and macaroni salad. And we got a lot of good feedback, but we also had some people who were kind of like shaking their head and being like, I don't understand. This is the most boring way to to make macaroni or potato salad. There's so many more interesting ways you can make it. We felt the need to flesh it out a bit more and maybe go back and describe deli culture and how it's part of Long Island culture and New York culture in general. Yeah. Is that fair to say? The first recipe we put out, it was just on the website, was the New York deli potato salad. Mm-hmm. We didn't think it was going to do like really well. We had no idea. We, I mean, if we knew what was going to do well, we wouldn't be filming with this Ikea table right here. And, <laughs> you know, that light from, or this fake plant, we, we just don't know. So we try to put ourselves in a situation where topic is more important than anything. So seasonality, topic. People are looking, probably looking for potato salad and other salads for 4th of July, which today is the 4th of July, but you, when you eventually watch this, it will probably be middle of July. But we try to put ourselves in a situation where we're giving you what you want because it's all about you. It's not about us. It's about you. And we thought you would like a potato salad recipe, or we had a hunch. But yeah, it went gangbusters on Facebook initially. So Tara, you know, you said right away, we need to do a video for this, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. I think when I'm going through a lot of the comments for these deli salad recipes in particular, I'm seeing something that's kind of like a pattern. And it's the same thing that I saw with the pizza recipes. And that's that once people leave New York, they can no longer find the deli potato salad or macaroni salad that tastes like it was prepared in a New York deli. It's very different. It's good. It just doesn't taste like home to them. So when you put out these recipes, the comment I was seeing was, oh my God, Jim, this is amazing. It's This tastes like home. This tastes like came from a New York deli. I haven't been able to replicate this type of recipe I've searched and I haven't been able to find one. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. hundred percent agree. And I just want to address two things right away. Number one, we had a couple comments. I think it was in the most recent, well, no, by the time, by the time you guys listen to this, it'll be a few back, but the comments are coming in obviously just on YouTube. The iTunes uh, comment system just is very poor. It's not, you could see some super popular podcasts that are like in the top 0.1% of podcasts, they just don't have too many comments on there. YouTube is the mechanism where people, if, if that podcaster has, if they do are doing video, that's where the comments will be. So even now, and we're only into episode six or seven or eight, when you guys see this, uh, when you listen to this, we're still getting a good amount of uh, comments on the YouTube, the Sip and Feast YouTube podcast channel. And person, uh, probably we've had about five of these so far uh, spread out through the episodes. They are saying critically that we're too New York centric. So I, I'm not bringing up an individual name here because it was a few people that said it. We're, our podcast is in the title is about New York. Yeah. And that's who we are, guys. So and, you know, a lot of times the comments are implying that we think New York is better. But I'm not trying to say that. No, um, we're just talking about what we know. I mean, we're we're born and raised here on Long Island, not yeah. in Long Island. In Long so Island. Therefore, yeah. we people are get upset about that. We feel we're. Yeah, many people do. We are more or less an authority on Long Island, just having lived here our entire lives. So when we talk about New York pizza or New York deli food. It's not to say that the pizza and food in Chicago or anywhere else isn't as good. It's just, we're talking from experience yeah. about what we are quote unquote experts. And on. If, if you have a passion for where you live and you can share it with people, 
it's a great idea to do this. Mm -hmm. So we're coming from a position of, you know, you, the word could be authority or it could just be knowledge. And it would be impossible. We moved to Minnesota. We were there for three years. I, I couldn't even, I, I still couldn't find where I was going on day 1000 living there when we were like 10 minutes from our house. I had no idea. I had no reference points. I had no idea about the history of the area, what restaurants were there, what businesses were there, what closed, what replaced it. Uh, how old man Bob Smith's family owns, you know, um, a sausage making shop or whatever. I just had no idea about any of the history. For better or worse, I never would. Our kids would have if we stayed there. But here, I do know all the history about it, and I do know where I'm going. I, I don't get lost. Well, sometimes I still get lost. But for the most part, I know where I am. I know the places. I know the history of food here. I also, you know, and as much as I know the history of Long Island food, I know the history of, of New York food too, New York City food. And it's just something that we we want to talk to you guys about. And again, this is, I'll just end it here. It's not better. It's not, it's not, New York's not the best, okay? The person said that Texas people, Texas people have the same attitude too, which I didn't know that, you know? Um, but that was, that was the comment. But anyway, that's a little bit of a tangent. What was the second part of that, Tara, that we were going to address? So I think- the topic that we wanted to talk about was maybe just explaining a little bit more about deli culture on Long Island. And when I say deli culture, I mean, it's it's so much a part of being a New Yorker, specifically on Long Island. Everyone knows someone who worked in a deli, if not, you know, someone who owned a deli or mul multiple delis, right? I mean, I can rattle off probably 10 people I know who worked in delis, yeah. whether it was you know, their first job it when they're a teenager. And that's a good way to, that's actually really important. So since the deli culture is so strong in Long Island and deli culture is much stronger in Long Island than it is in the five boroughs, Staten Island might resemble Long Island, but the other ones, not so much. You know, there's bodegas, of course, but Long Island, if you had to use one word to describe Long Island, I would say deli. What would your word be, Tara? Yeah, I think deli or, or, bagel. or pizza or bagels. Yeah, I mean, I, those three. I would say deli and bagel more than pizza. Yeah, yeah. As much as there's like 50,000 pizzerias in Long Island, there are, I mean, there's not more delis or bagel shops, but they are just so ubiquitous. They're just everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I would agree with what Tara was saying there about delis, just everybody knew someone who worked there. And that was the first job that a lot of people would go get. And a lot of the delis would hire you because they were not paying you on the books. They were paying you off the books and they would make you be a dishwasher. And that was the first job I ever had. Mm -hmm. I worked, I don't want to say the deli's name. It's still there. And I washed the dishes there. I learned how to use the three, the three different sinks, the process of how to, how to thoroughly clean dishes and dishes and, you know, hot trays and everything sure as heck got dirty in a place like that. That was all they let me do there. Oh, and they let me stock the walk-in as well. So that that was, and I, I was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. I, I was younger than our daughter is. And we're, we're, we're at the point now where we want our daughter to get a job. A lot of places aren't hiring under 18. But that was very different back then. They, every All these places would hire you. Yeah. So that's where I worked. And then I eventually moved up the deli process and was able to work in the front when I was 16. That was when you yeah. were legally allowed to do that, right, yeah. Tara? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not an authority. Well, on, I did. I did. Know, the they legality of working in I a deli. I feel like I was punching a card at that point at 16. Maybe you Maybe were. Maybe even 15. Maybe you were. So speaking of your, your move to the front, because I think, you know, deli culture is kind of fascinating. And I think, not that I watch TikTok or anything, but there is this one TikToker She's also on Instagram that she does the impersonation of the deli guy. And it's really, in my opinion, I think you showed me the, spot I think on. you showed me the yeah. person. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it is spot on. She doesn't just do deli. She does she, Italian she, like moms and she, stuff, right? Well, she does Long Island mom. Long Island moms. Yeah. yeah. Her name is uh, Rebecca Bastos, I think. Yeah. But she's, she's so funny. And um, her deli impersonation, she also does a pizza guy impersonation. They're, they're spot on, you know, like you walk into a deli and the guy there is like, what can I get you, boss? Yo, chief, what can I get you? Or, hey, sweetheart, what do you want? Like, that's kind of how it is. Yeah, I mean, and the same thing goes for a bagel shop or a pizzeria. They're mm -hmm. going to be saying the same thing. So, you know, she's obviously 
doing the stereotypical gentleman that works in a deli, right? Who who says things like that. But I have to say, like when you when I whenever I walked into a deli and someone has I see someone greeting people that way or greeting me that way, I feel like I'm kind of in a, a very comfortable place. I don't feel like I'm in a threatening type of environment. I feel like very safe when I walk into a deli and I see the guy who's asking chief or boss what he wants. It's a good feeling. It's a homey feeling. Yeah, there's something comfortable about it. And again, because delis are such a part of a Long Islander's life. There, there is nobody who lives on Long Island, especially if you were born here. Now, there are some crazy people that move here, which I don't recommend. <laughs> you should never move here. You move away from here. But that's a different discussion. But if you were born here, it's a statistical impossibility that you have not walked into a deli. And by walking into a deli, certain things will always be the same in every deli. As Tara said, the stereotypical deli boss man will always, or woman, will always say one of those things to you. It's just all about, I think, the culture of when you're getting your bacon, egg, and cheese. And, you know, really, if you want to talk Long Island, you can talk pizza, bagels, and everything. But really... There's nothing more Long Island than a bacon, egg, and cheese. That's true. Tim Dillon talks about that all the time, too. He says that. He's like, that, he's like that is the defining characteristic of the island. Again, more so than, than the city. Yeah. Definitely. But yeah, there's always be a person there, and that's they talk to you fast. What do you want, boss? You know, what are we doing, yeah. chief? What are we doing today, chief? That's for the lunch rush, but it's also for the breakfast lunch. Mm-hmm. And most delis will shut down by about 2 o'clock in Long Island. So it's a really good... I mean, I considered buying a deli. Mm-hmm. I, I, I Even to this day, I still run it through my head because it's a nice job to have when you have a family. Mm-hmm. All the places I worked at, the owners always left for the day at 2 o'clock, 2.30. Mm-hmm. They, they would just leave when the lunch rush was over, when yeah. it was coming to an end. And they're probably getting home for their kids. But, you know, it's early, it's early hours. But they weren't really opening the place either. Like, I was opening the place or some other schmuck mm-hmm. <laughs> like a lot of them typical time would be 6 a.m for most of them some of them would do a little bit earlier um if you had a bagel shop operation which a lot of delis and bagel shops have kind of like merged together but if you had that type of operation you really wouldn't close the bagels would just be made overnight that's right bagels have to be made at like what is it like 4 a.m earlier yeah earlier places wouldn't close because they get boiled and then they get baked. Is yeah, that it's how a big. Pro- it's a it's a industrialized process the way bagels are made. And I'm not. I didn't work in a bagel shop, but mm-hmm. I would always just peek in the back and see. And they have special machines for it. But yeah, they're boiled. I think it's done with lye too. I'm not positive. I know pretzels are done that way. And then they get baked, and they have that perfect, beautiful crust. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're using the diastatic malt powder that we talked about in in the pizza episode. Yeah. And there's no better bagels than a Long Island bagel or you know, say a city bagel, but it's really a Long Island bagel again. I mean, it's kind of funny how long, you know what it is? It's just, there's these massive, massive Jewish populations in Long Island. And there's just like, you can pick a town like Wontaw or Belmore, Merrick area, or any of the five towns. There are so many bagel shops, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't just extend to the Jewish areas. It's, there's great bagel shops everywhere. And it's hard to get a bad bagel in Long Island. If you, if there is a bad bagel shop producer, that person will be out of business mm-hmm. very quickly. Yeah, People will not tolerate a bad bagel. Again, so now I'm kind of coming off again as like being New York is great and everything. But I mean, you know, you drive outside of here and you have a bagel and it's, it's not a bagel. Yeah. It's, 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 I don't know what it is. It's, it's different. It's got a different consistency. You know? It has nothing and to do with the water either. It's just the people, know, they do it here. They yeah. pass on the tradition. And then all the bagel shops just do it the same. Yeah. When you leave, I think, this area, and I'm only speaking for really when we lived in Minnesota, um, the bagel stores there are the chains. There's like Brugger's or Einstein Brothers. There's no individual mom and pop bagel stores. You know what's funny? Even in Albany, there wasn't. There was one place in Albany, Uncommon Grounds. But there was... But their bagels... Well, well, I shouldn't be saying that. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if they're still there or not. They, I um, thought that they were good. 
They yeah. weren't. They weren't like they weren't the same as the bagels around here. But they also weren't. Like you know a what chain bagel, bagel I would tell people to get if they don't if they're not in in the New York area. What's that? Dunkin' Donuts. Their bagels aren't. They're not a New York bagel, but mm-hmm. they're still not bad. They're not bad. But I don't know. Is Dunkin' Donuts all across the country too, or not? Um, I know they're a a Massachusetts company. Okay. But I think once you pass, maybe like Indiana, they become scarce. There, there was only one Dunkin' Donuts in, in near us in Minnesota, and I think it only recently opened there. Yeah, I feel like this podcast is becoming. We should be like the tourism people for come to Long Island or come to New York. I, I, I'm not trying. But to But you like, just told every no one that they should move move well, here. Well, well, the vacation, not yeah. to, not to live here. Don't yeah. ever live here, guys, ever. <laughs> so let's go back to deli talk. So you worked in a few different delis. You started out washing dishes and stuff you move to the front what are some of the most popular orders that you used to take like let maybe talk about breakfast orders yeah we'll do breakfast yeah and then i haven't eaten yet so (laughs) let's go slow here And, and this is the great thing about a breakfast sandwich a bacon egg and cheese which is the most single most popular breakfast sandwich in in the island and probably the city um and that's what's not good about the city a lot of times. They're making them a little bit earlier. They're in the trucks, you know. And this is all pre, you know, pre the last few years. Not everything has changed now. But anyway, in Long Island, it's a bacon, egg, and cheese is the single most popular thing. The reason it tastes so good, when whether you're in a deli all the way out east or you're in a deli in Manhasset or Syosset or, you know, you're, or you're in Queens, it's that the bread only comes from a few places. So they're all starting with that good it's a kaiser but it's not a kaiser yeah. so it's like a little just a touch hard on the outside just a touch not too much yeah. if it's too much it's already ruined mm-hmm. it won't be like that so whatever bread baking technique that again it's only a few of these commercial bakeries that are doing modern bakery modern is, like is the one, one of the bakeries yeah yes. and they also so those modern rolls that bakery sells to a whole bunch of different grocery stores yes. here because you can get modern rolls from Meat farms yes, and for a you few Long other places. I- for you Long Islanders, if you want to buy those rolls, though you can just walk into any deli and the deli will sell them to you. But if you want to buy them a little bit cheaper, go to meat farms. That's where we have found the deli rolls. I think like we were able to get a six pack of them for, I would say like $3. If you go to the deli during the breakfast rush and you ask for them, they're going to say no most of the time because they don't want to run out of rolls. The owner of the deli is trying, he knows, he or she knows pretty much to, to within within a very small percentage, how many egg sandwiches and how many lunch sandwiches and heroes that they're going to sell for the day. So at the end of the day, the bread goes to a shelter, you know, it gets bagged up. Often it just gets left outside, like in the box, boxed up, tied in a bag in a box and put uh, one of those shelters come and pick it up. Mm Mm-hmm. They never use, the bread is never used the next day. It's just, you know, it's, the order comes in in the morning, got the boxes, you keep them under the counter, somebody orders something, that's that's what you use. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes the sandwiches so good, whether you're, wherever you are in the island. Yeah. They're all, it's all the same. Those rolls, those rolls are really good just as like a buttered roll. Yep. Like a plain buttered roll. And we're going to tackle that. We're going to make these rolls. And now we're not making these rolls for, so this is a, this is an odd one. So we're going to, we're going to. We're going to make these rolls. We're going to re- recreate these rolls. But people who live in New York aren't going to want to do this recipe. Yeah. Because they can go buy it anywhere. Right. But it is for all of the transplants that, how how many questions do we get about those rolls? All the time. It's and, crazy. And I get it because I was a transplant and I couldn't find anything. Try as you might, you buy Kaiser rolls, not the Too same hard. thing. Too hard on it's the outside. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, Nobody, none of the cooking channels, none of the websites I've seen have been able to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think it's too difficult. I just think in order to be able to do it, you have to live here because you need to have that role to test it against. Yeah. So you have to buy a bunch of rolls and you have to start doing your experimentation. But yeah, they're kind of soft with a, not too much of a crust on the outside, which gives you the optimal eating sandwich. So like the eggs melt and the egg and cheese and the bacon kind of like melts into the bread. And it's, you know, a huge part of this is a part is about the deli wrap that you're using and how you wrap it. That also contributes to 
about that 10 to 12 minute window when you drive home, you get your sandwich and you eat it. It's at optimal eating temperature and texture. Mm -hmm. This is so important. And this is actually why I wrapped, when I did the Italian hero video, which is about three years old, that video. Mm -hmm. So guys, it's not the best video, but that's why I wrapped it. Yeah, so I, you, you know, that is part, if you omit the wrapping, it's not gonna be as good. Yeah, the wrapping helps the sandwich and the sandwich's contents become one. So if I seem very excited, you can tell like how my pulse is probably quickening and I like I have more energy here. This is why it's very hard for me to bring this energy tower right into the beginning of the episode because it's almost like the memories are being triggered in my, they're coming up, but mm -hmm. I can't pull the memory right away. Yeah. Like I'm breathing in hard into the mic because well, it's so exciting thinking about it. Because you want a bacon, egg and cheese. Yeah, I know. I actually well, want one too. My belly is growling. <laughs> I should have picked some up from the deli for the deli episode. And that's the thing, like you can make a bacon, egg and cheese yourself, guys, and it'll be good. It's so much easier just to go to your deli if you have one, because they're not even expensive. They're no. still a good deal. Yeah, they're the best deal. You know, and, and let's, I just want to break it down what these delis are using, guys. They're not using farm eggs, pasture raised. They're using... A huge 48, I think they come in 48, the flats are even bigger. White eggs are stacked about eight, eight or 10 stacks high. And then they got another 90 stacks in the walk-in when, when they run out. That's what you're doing. You're cracking the eggs right on the side there. You're using your grill. You got cheese that is melty cheese. Normally they're not using boar's head for it. Some delis will. Okay, boar's head American. Mm -hmm. But it's normally just like a melty American cheese. Bacon comes in a massive slab. Kind of just hangs out there. It's just right? congealed in the morning. You take it, you put it right on top of your grill. You let it warm up. You let it start melting. Then you keep about, I don't know, about 20 sandwiches worth of bacon mm -hmm. on reserve on the grill as your orders come in. Because yeah. sometimes you'll get 30 or 40 egg sandwich orders at one time. That's right. Like the line might be 12 people. And then before you know it, you got 40 tickets in the back and you want your bacon to be warm for that. Mm -hmm. So the other sandwiches like sausage, egg, and cheese, not nearly as popular. That's probably the least popular of the three. I'd say ham, egg, and cheese is in the middle. Mm -hmm. And then you got some some odd orders, uh, you know, for like bodybuilders or whatnot. And, and what would that be? Well, the old bodybuilder order would be whole wheat toast, uh, egg whites, and grilled turkey. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's morphed a lot. You know, I haven't worked in a deli in in decades. So I'm assuming there's a lot of avocado probably being ordered now. And I mean, who knows? Delis might even be making like the trendy toasts that you see on Instagram all the time. I haven't seen, I haven't seen that. I feel like almost like Long Island is a rejection of all the trendy and hipster stuff. It's like, <laughs> it basically ends at like Brooklyn. And then once the people decide to move out, mm -hmm. maybe they have kids, they're assimilated. They no longer are cool anymore. <laughs> Now they are a suburbanite well, and they're looking for a good bacon, egg, and cheese, not an avocado toast anymore. If ordering a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich makes me uncool, then I'm very happy to be uncool. Yeah, I'm extremely uncool. Actually, to be even more uncool is to order a Hungry Man Hero or a Buster. Oh, I used to get those for you. Yeah, now yeah, this so is like- what, what was on that? You got your bacon, egg, and cheese, which you, know, you eat one and it's never enough. You're like, oh, I just wish I had another one. <laughs> Well, if you plan ahead, order a Hungry Man, which will have probably, it's a hero. It'll probably have three eggs, but some delis might use four lined with cheese. And then it'll have bacon, sausage, and ham. So basically you're getting everything from the three main sandwiches on one yeah, hero. That sounds extremely healthy. Oh, I mean, there's nothing healthier than that. <laughs> Listen, you gotta live. You gotta live. This is the thing I always tell you about this. We obviously don't make health food on on our website on our channel, guys. And I often will joke, you know, I'll be making comments in jest. Like I'll say, this is a real healthy dish when I'm making like the pasta norcina and I'm like pouring the cream into the sausage fat. And, you know, if there was a population of people on this planet that lived to 180 years old and they were eating stuff, I would be like, oh God, I got to stop what I'm doing. But for all the bad food that Americans eat, and all the great food that Japanese eat 
and because Japanese people live the longest, mm-hmm. that the gap is only about what eight years. I don't know. And listen, I love Japanese food, so I mean, I I could I guess live on that all the time, but. I feel like you need the yin and the yang. You know, you get you go get the healthy Japanese dinner, mm-hmm. but then I do need the bacon, egg, and cheese sometimes. Yeah. Or it's all about, the big thing of lasagna. Yeah. Well, it's everything in moderation, right? Moderation is key. So we talked about breakfast orders at the deli. What about lunch orders? What's the most pop what are the, some of the most popular lunch sandwiches at delis on Long Island? So the most popular boring sandwich is turkey. Most, it's hey. Oh, I, I know. And Back it, up. Okay. That's I'm my sorry. favorite. And let's talk we'll talk turkey for a second. Okay. Let's talk turkey. Let's talk turkey. So when I stopped at the deli, there was probably eight popular boar's head turkeys. Now I think boar's head's making about 30 turkeys. There are a lot. So what, let's back up even further. Let's talk boar's head. Okay. okay. Boar's head is they have the lock. They have the lock on delis. There's other really good cold cut brands, but they cannot break through. The only company, uh, supermarket really, that doesn't sell Boar's Head in Long Island is- Whole Foods. Whole Foods, and what do they sell? Applegate Farms, and then they also have their own in-house turkey and roast beef. Yeah, well, a lot of delis will actually make their own roast beef. So they'll, like, the de- two of the delis I worked at would do their own roast beef. So yeah. put the timer in, in the oven, and- I don't know if it ended up being cheaper for them or not, but but uh, probably probably more than fifty percent of delis will just use the boar's head. Mm-hmm. Some of the delis will do like they'll do they used to like ro- do whole turkeys, so people would order that. But but for the most part, boar's head has that lock on the market. Not to take anything away from Applegate, um, I think I've had Applegate a few times. Used to yeah. buy it a lot when the kids were younger. What do you like better, boar's head or Applegate? I prefer boar's head. Why is it better? I, is it just the salt level? I don't understand. I think it's the texture for me. I don't know what the they're texture doing. is a little bit different. Yeah, and I know with the I feel like when I'm eating the Applegate, I know I'm getting something that's maybe a little bit quote unquote healthier because there's less sodium or less nitrates or whatever. But I don't know. The, there's just something about Boar's Head that you can't, you really can't top. It's just odd, and I don't. I don't, I can't mention the delis because I think some of these delis are still around and the owners are still there. And this one place, it was just funny. He always tell me, Jim, like, don't, don't give the customer boar's head unless they ask for it. Yeah. And then he would, there was another brand, which I'm not going to mention. He would say, you give him that brand. Yeah. But most of the other delis would do that. But if you go to a deli, it will always have the boar's head prices per pound. And then it'll have like maybe one or two other brands, but for whatever reason, boar's head, Owns the market here. Actually went to school with a kid whose dad had a truck. Probably had one of the bigger routes. They are they're like millionaires. <laughs> I mean, Boar's Head. Boar's Head has made a lot of people. And that was when you could get the good route. Now it's all kind of controlled by them, and they limit how much people can make. It was almost like when you were even younger, if you got a Tropicana route, it's doing that, and hmm. a few other ones, like obviously Coca Cola route and whatnot. But yeah, for whatever reason, Boar's Head is, and and it has such a name recognition that people just be like, oh. I I mean I cannot tell you how many times some guy would tell me that I'd be like dude there better be boys head bro better be boys head you know like I'm like what do you you just that's what you asked for that's what I'm giving you mm-hmm. like like when I would cut the cold cuts like let me see that you know <laughs> what was the original part of that we we backed up a few times well I had asked what what was what were some of the most popular sandwiches you would make and you turkey. went right into turkey being boring turkey sandwiches are my favorite. We should just do a whole episode on Boar's Head Turkey. Well, we could. I it's my favorite deli sandwich is extremely basic, but it's Boar's Head regular what, oven, oven gold oven gold oven turkey gold, yeah. like the shredded iceberg lettuce, Swiss cheese, mayo on a on a deli roll. That's a pretty and, that's a pretty good sandwich. And let me tell you, if I eat that, I'm in heaven. That's a damn good sandwich. It is. And so the oven gold is vastly superior to the low sodium one that they make. Yeah. Although I do like the, the low sodium is good. I feel like the low sodium does have a lot of sodium still. It does. Uh, now, other great turkeys that they have are the honey maple. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Yeah. You know, they have the cracked pepper one, but they have like, they have so many now. They have a Cajun one. They have, they have so much different stuff. And I can't, I can't remember them. I don't, I didn't, I didn't come prepared with yeah. the whole list of boars head stuff. But anyway, we sold 
Turkey. Turkey was the most popular sandwich, cold cut sandwich by far. Mm -hmm. So most of the delis, what they'll do is they'll cut, it's a quarter pound for a sandwich. It's a third of a pound or some delis will do 0.4, like even even some might do like 0.45, which is close to a half a pound for a hero. But a quarter pound for a sandwich on those rolls that we were talking about before. And then you do two pieces of cheese. And then, you know, if you're piling on the lettuce, tomato, onion, whatever else the customer wants, you're getting a really nice, big looking sandwich. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to, when you make a sandwich, you know, this is all about how to do it right. You don't want to lay your cold cuts flat. You want to give some heft to it. So some delis will shred that turkey, those quarter pounds, leave it on. But uh, most of them will just cut very, very thin and then they'll loosen them up and then roll it. So, and then you put them all in, in these cold, like a cold area containers. So when people order, you just, you know, say you got to do like 10 turkey sandwiches, you just grab a quarter pound, mm-hmm. quarter pound, because you don't want to be cutting per order. Right. You only cut per order after the lunch rush is over or yeah. if you ran out of. That makes sense. And then ham would be less, obviously, uh, but still popular. And then roast beef would be less than ham. And then you would have the, you know, and I, I think we spoke about it in another podcast. You'd have like the, the weird one-off orders like liverwurst or something yeah. like that. Yeah. What about like Italian heroes? Yeah. So the Italian hero, uh, yeah, a couple of places would pre, they would pre-cut the meat for it. And so the standard Italian hero in Long Island would always be salami, uh, gabagool or capicola. And then, you know, so there would be different brands of that that people would use. Pepperoni would always get on it. Okay. Pepper, the slicing pepperoni, mm-hmm. ham, regular ham would be put on there too. Salami and then provolone. So that would be your standard meats for it. It would not be mortadella. The places would not use mortadella. And these are the delis. If you go to an Italian deli or like a pizzeria, which most of them won't do those heroes, but the ones that did, then it, then there would be mortadella would mm-hmm. be a part of it. Maybe soprazada, stuff like that. But I'm just telling you the places that, that I went, that I worked at. Lettuce, uh, some would shred, some would be whole lettuce, onion, lettuce, tomato, oil, and vinegar. No mayo. Let me repeat that. No mayo. And Tara's laughing because we always get the comments. They're like, where's the mayo or where's the mustard, bro? Yeah, not an Italian hero. But people go to Subway in other states yeah. and then they think that that's what goes on it. Yeah. I mean, God, when I worked, if you asked for mayos, I think the person would have threw you out of the deli. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, that's how it just wasn't done. And then, you know, that was like, that's the basic Italian hero. Then you can also do cherry peppers on there, red roasted peppers. The way I did it in, which I think mine is superior, the way I did it in the video is I chopped the lettuce and then I mix the lettuce with oil, vinegar, salt, pepper, and oregano. Because mm-hmm. the oregano and the oil and vinegar is really, really important. That gives it that like really just, you know the taste I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And then you want to saturate your bread with more oil and vinegar. Yeah. And then you uh, you want to like kind of like make those meats piled high so mm-hmm. you really get it. I don't like to tell you guys, oh, I know this, I know that, I'm an expert in this. This is one that I feel pretty confident about saying that you do what I'm telling you, you'll have a good one. Now, I know like TikTok has bastardized this already and they're doing a chopped Italian hero. So they're taking all the cold cuts. Somebody, somebody did this. They threw them all on a board and they chopped them mm-hmm. and they put them all back on and like it went viral. Yeah. That's the Doesn't thing with TikTok. Good. They everything that is like good and holy gets destroyed mm-hmm. and then put back. I mean, why don't they just put why don't you just put it in a blender then, right? Yeah. Put all the meat, veggies, and lettuce in a blender with the roll and then take a straw to it. Yeah. <laughs> what they're doing is they're almost making like a chopped salad, which so many places have sold for the last 30 years. Yeah. You know, that's essentially a chopped chopped salad is all the stuff that's on an Italian hero. That's the meats. You know, yeah, a chopped salad. salad is good. I'm just trying to like picture eating it on a sandwich. I'm sure it's good. It's a lot of things that do well on that platform. And I don't do TikTok, guys. I did it a couple of years ago. I just, I, I can't stand it. I can't stand the short videos. Uh, it's not, I don't think I'm better than the people who make short videos. I just just can't I can't stand them, you know. So, and I also don't like what it does to me when I watch them, and also what it does to my kids when they watch them. Like my daughter asking for more TikTok time, or we don't even let James use use it yet, right, Tara? James isn't allowed to use it. No, James yeah. is not on TikTok yet. He watches YouTube Shorts, which is essentially it's the, the same, same thing. thing but it's the same thing. It's hard to limit YouTube. For him because he does use it for like he's very into playing chess 
So he likes to watch chess videos. Yeah. I don't want to stop him from watching stuff like that. So yeah, but anyway, that yeah, that's that's that. Who knows? By the time you watch this, or if you're watching this at a later date, you'll, I'll probably be doing TikTok or something. <laughs> <laughs> so you named some of the cold cut sandwiches, but then there's another type of deli sandwich that kind of comes to my mind that is also outrageous. And I, that's that word outrageous is used too many on, times. Is it really outrageous? It is. And it, it's a chicken cutlet sandwich. All right. I'll let you have it. And that. there's there are many ways that you can do it. Yeah. If I'm gonna get a chicken cutlet sandwich from a deli, there's two ways I would like to get it. One is like a chicken cordon bleu, you know, chicken cutlet, ham, Swiss, uh Thousand Island dressing, Russian dressing, whatever. Excellent. And then there's just like your straight up chicken cutlet with lettuce, tomato, yeah. mayonnaise. Yeah, I prefer the the second one, the lettuce, tomato, mayo, mayo. Very popular. Uh, most people do that on the hero, but def- definitely on rolls too. Yeah, just really, it's all about the cutlet. The cutlet's got to be good. A lot of places will fry the cutlets up in the morning. Mm-hmm. The yeah, good there's places, just like a pile yeah, of them yeah. sitting there waiting. The good places will do the cutlets, how we've shown you guys mm-hmm. to do them. You get the flour, egg, breadcrumbs, seasoned with parsley, salt, pepper, a little bit of cheese. Really nice. One place I worked at, they had they were in a bag and they would fry them. And mm-hmm. I really did not approve of that. I was not happy with that. Yeah, but they didn't it. care what 17-year-old Jim thought. Onward from sandwiches. What about the salads? Because that's kind of where we, what prompted this video. Yes. Talk about the salads, the cold salads, not like green salads. I'm talking like the potato salad, macaroni salad, yeah. coleslaw. What's what's the deal with those and, and delis? It was funny because t- again, as we s- discussed in the beginning, we, we didn't think we were going to do a video. It did really well on you know, on Facebook and other social. So Tara was like, we have to do the video. So we did the video and we titled it New York Deli Classic. And everything about the video from the from the second I'm opening my trap is <laughs> saying, this is how New York delis do it. I'm making New York deli potato salad. Yet so many of the comments were like, that's not how it's done down South. Or like, like you, you don't have no idea. It's supposed to be made like, I'm like, what, what are you talking about? I'm making a New York deli potato salad. So- I did it exactly, and this, it took me a little bit to to reverse engineer this. I knew how the places made it because I was always there watching them, and I was always like part of the making process. I was the one who would be slicing the 30 heads of cabbage, or I would be putting the the cabbage or the potatoes in the walk-in for, you know, for the person in the back who couldn't lift the, the, the huge tub of it. I would help her dump the potatoes because it was like a 80 pounds of potatoes in a pot, the biggest pot you've ever seen. But I wasn't like the one whisking up the brine and all that. I knew what it had in it, but the proportions I had to get right. And th- the amount of wrong information about this one online is staggering. But there's not even that much wrong information. There's just no information at all, mm-hmm. which is, it's extremely bizarre because this these salads, the potato, mac, and coleslaw are so ubiquitous. And, you know, we mentioned in the previous episode, delis will often just give you, they'll ask you, what do you want? You get a quarter pound of either one, e- either of those three mm-hmm. for free with a pickle. So it was tough, like had to finally got it. And, you know, without a doubt, and I'm you know, patting myself on the back here. It is a 100% replica. It is not almost there. It is not 97% there. It is 100% there. So now if you don't, you know, if you don't like it, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm just making it, I'm making how delis do it. Tara did love it though, right? Yeah, it was so good. And I didn't grow up eating, even though I grew up here, I didn't grow up eating deli potato salad or macaroni salad or even coleslaw once a year or twice a year in the summer if my mom and dad would have a barbecue my mom would make macaroni salad and potato salad so I was very used to the way she made it which did not include a brine really just mayonnaise if I'm remembering correctly and then you know her potato salad would have I think maybe hard-boiled egg in it. And then her macaroni salad, I think, was just chopped tomato. Yeah, and and, people were and, mad that I did the brine. Yeah. They were, they were like, my, you know, whoever it does it better, they just mix mayo in it. And I was like, you know, again, I'm, I'm just, I'm making, no deli would ever sell you that, guys. Yeah. Like, period. It would just, I'm, but I, you know, I was titled it, I'm making what's in the deli. Right. 
Right. I, 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 we're going to have other potato salads on the site. And yeah. We'll make other ones. And again, I, I can't call it New York deli potato salad and then not make it. Right. With the, with the sugar and the vinegar. Yeah. The thing with the New York deli salads is they're, they look incredibly bland and boring. Like when you walk into any deli here on Long Island and you look at their macaroni salad and potato salad, the coleslaw has a tiny bit more color because it's got green cabbage, but they look so boring. But if you know how they taste, they're amazing. But I think if you're an outsider and you just walk in, you're like, why would I order that? It looks- I mean, people were like, you didn't put Dukes in there. You didn't do Koopy, like the Korean uh, mayo. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like if anybody, if I did that, that would be- Where would, I've never even seen Dukes mayonnaise here. Can you even get it here? Multiple comments say that Dukes is Hellman's, that they're the same brand. I don't think that's correct. I don't know. But you know, as far as the other one, the, the Korean mayo and- Again, like just title, if I was making a different salad, but I, that's, that's why these have resonated so much with people because they're, they're, they were so many people have made them already. And mm-hmm. they were like, this isn't, you know, this person might be in Florida. They might live yeah. in relocated to Georgia. They're like, I cannot believe it. And so again, guys, that's what it is. There'll be plenty of other, we'll do other potato coleslaws and Mac salads, but these were just New York ones. And Tara is right. They are extremely boring. They're boring looking. They taste They kind of have great. an addictive taste to it. When you made that macaroni salad and the potato salad and I was tasting it, I was like, this is kind of like crack. Like I can't stop. And then then, then some comments were saying, they were like, delis don't make it. They just buy it in vats from other places. And there is a little bit of truth to that. So none of the four places I worked at did this, mm-hmm. but the rise of Restaurant Depot and other restaurant supply stores and distributors has made things easier for delis and for businesses in general. My brother alluded to this in the tiramisu video that we did. He's worked in many restaurants, some of them very high-end restaurants. Even these high-end restaurants, a lot of times they're getting their tiramisu and other baked desserts and stuff from Restaurant Depot. Mm -hmm. So it's, and then people were saying that's how it's all done with the potato and mac and coleslaw. Again, I don't have experience with that, but I'm sure, I'm 100% sure you can definitely buy those there. So through the years you've, shared with me a number of different deli stories of interesting things that have happened while you were working in a deli. You care to share oh, and any I, of those? I have so many deli stories, yeah. but I'll just do this one. This story stands out to me. And Tara was like worried that I was even telling the story, but this deli's long gone. This deli hasn't been around for, I think, 15 years. So anyway, this guy who would come in not so often, he was part of the garbage removal. So, you know, he was probably connected or whatnot. And he was not a nice person. Nobody liked to deal with this guy because he would always come in and be like, I'm taking this and this, you know, like take take a bunch of Arizonas out of the walk-in. You'd be, just be like, where's my sandwich? You know, and he'd just grab it and walk out. And then the owner would be like, just don't worry about it, Jim. Just don't, don't, you know, just, just, just whatever, you know, he's gone. So this guy who, again, would only come in every few weeks. Sometimes it would be months before he came in. This was during the lunch rush, so there were a ton of cars. And this parking lot for this particular deli, it didn't have a lot of parking. So people would park in other places, like there was like a hotel near it, and you know people would, you know, so then they cross the divider and they walk over. So very busy lunch rush this day, so probably around like 12.30. And the guy comes in. So it's like, oh, you know, now he's coming in during the lunch rush. So he just lets out right in the middle of the place. He's just like, who is blocking my car in? So I <laughs> think everybody's like the, oh, the workers, all the workers, we all, we're all like, oh God. So he just walks out. Like, he, he, I mean, he did it for like, he said it maybe twice. And nobody responded. Nobody responded. Mm-hmm. So it was obviously somebody who was in the deli, who, somebody who was getting a sandwich, who was, who was afraid to say anything. So, I mean, which, which was really a really not a nice thing to do. I mean, you know, if you live in the city, you know uh, about being blocked in. But he had like a Bronco, I believe, this guy. I can't remember the exact car. Or maybe it was a mini, like a, not a minivan, like a work van. He reversed his vehicle and moved the guy's <laughs> Lexus into the wall of the deli and then got his car out. He came back in after he did it. He goes, I moved your car and then just leaves. <laughs> oh my 
God. Wait, so did the car actually hit the deli? The car that he pushed, he pushed it into the brick wall of the deli. This was did, like a freestanding deli, this place. Did it damage the deli? No, but it really damaged the car. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was yeah. like, it was a Lexus then? Yeah. That, that yeah. He it was like smushed into the wall. Oh my God. <laughs> that, it's not funny. It's like. Well, I can laugh. It's 20 years I, ago. I know. Or more, 25 like, years and ago. And then he just drove away. Watch the person that, that it happened. It? Watch, watch, it, watch the person that it happened to listens to this podcast. And he's like, who was it? <laughs> I'm not telling you. I don't even know the guy's name, even if I even if I did know his name. God. But um, yeah, that was one story. But there's a billion stories. <sighs> How did you feel when that happened? I learned. You were a like valuable, a teenager. I learned a valuable don't, lesson. Don't block any, but I knew this lesson. Don't I didn't. Block I didn't need to be taught this. I knew that you don't block somebody in like that. <laughs> I saw a picture the other day of Fenway Park in the 1920s, I believe, but it could have been. You know, maybe earlier or a little bit later. I, I on Facebook, there's these old his, old photos, old history. Remember, I told you about that. Mm-hmm. They showed all the cars. They were all just what was like only one type of car you could buy back then. They were all in parking there. It was if you think parking is bad now when you go to you know Giants game or whatever, yeah. you should have seen this. Like all the comments were like, oh, you know, there's the legend is some people are still trying to get out. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, don't block anyone in. I would like to get into some of the submitted questions that we received. Before we do that, do you have any final words on on deli culture? We can do much more on delis. If you want to like pinpoint down on a particular part of what we're talking about, because it was very quick about different sandwiches and just or breakfast or or really anything like that, please the best thing you can do is send an email to podcast at sipandfeast.com or leave a comment on the YouTube channel. But you're better off just, again, to podcast at sipandfeast.com. Yeah. It's the best way to communicate. I also said you can send us a video to through Instagram or whatnot. So if you want like a little video of yourself on here, if for some reason you don't want us to mention your name, just let us know that too. And thank you to those who did submit questions. Yeah. Right. So the first question I have here is from Michael and it's actually... Like a three-part question. Okay. So I'll read you the three questions, and then if you want to go ahead and answer them. Which cooking utensils are the most versatile, used in many different ways? Which cutting board is the best for cutting? So specifically, which material? Is it wood? Is it plastic? Um, and what's the best way to hygienically clean a cutting board? Cutting boards, I'll do second. But as far as kitchen tools, mm-hmm. you don't need many. You need a good knife, and you only need one knife if you have a good one. Mm-hmm. Though, if you want, really want to like take care of all bases, I would get a chef's knife. And depending on how big your hands are and how comfortable comfortable you are, I think an eight inch chef's knife is the knife you should be using. A ten inch gets is way too big. Most cooks, even restaurant chefs, don't use these. They're too big. You could go a seven inch. And then a paring knife would be really good too. Finally, if you really want to round it out, get yourself a bread knife. That bread knife means it has serrated edges, so mm-hmm. that it allows you to cut through bread very easily. What about like a cleaver if you're gonna be you don't chopping need, chicken or you don't need a cleaver. So Chinese Chinese restaurants use them all the time. But if you know how to cut a chicken, break mm-hmm. down a chicken, and we've done some videos where I, you know, broke down chickens and you're never gonna become an expert with this unless you are working in a restaurant. As you go up, you move up the ranks. You're, you're going to be doing those menial tasks like breaking down chickens. And the person there might get, you know, he might break down more chickens in two months than somebody does in their whole life. But yeah. there's a lot of good YouTube videos on it, much better than the one I did, that show you exactly where the joints are, how to feel it with your hands, you know, how to pop the bone out. You know, you can pop the wing. It's it's not hard. Obviously, like Tyra's right, you could use a cleaver, but I prefer just to cut it cut it between so you're not having any bone fragments mm-hmm. or anything like that. Yeah. So a really it sounds like a really good chef's knife can just be used for for everything. What I do is I actually have a cheap chef's knife mm-hmm. that I use for breaking down chickens. You know that they're in the That's drawers. Right. So That's right. and they're very they're they're very sharp knives, but they're very uh soft steel. So they're like on the Rockwell scale, they're like a fifty six. So like Mercer makes one for like twenty dollars on Amazon. You can get the knife super sharp. It has like a black plastic handle. You've probably not just seen me using it. You've probably seen many YouTube uh, channels using it. And that knife is great because I can sharpen that thing to a razor's edge in about a minute. Mm -hmm. So I break down my chicken, 
inevitably the metal will, if I hit a bone and whatnot, it's gonna get bent a little bit. I can straighten it out very easily. Mm -hmm. And you straighten it out with a steel when you're in the process of doing it, but then you know if you have any long-term damage, you gotta sharpen it again. Not hard at all with steel like that. If you're using the Japanese knives that have steel that are like Rockwell ratings of 62, 63, extremely difficult to sharpen. Then you need like water stones and then you're getting into the return on your time. Is it worth it? Okay. Yeah, as far as the other tools, tongs, I have about 50 pairs of them, but start with like three or four. I have a long one that I could pull pasta out. Mm -hmm. You see me often pulling linguine, whatever, pappardelle right out with the tongs. Yeah. Okay, and then you can use it obviously smaller ones for when you're sauteing or when you need to turn meat. Like if you're doing a chicken, you're searing it. Really great tool to have. And then the other one that I think is good to have, what was the other one? I had it in my head. Uh, Pasta oh, spider? It's a spoons, spoons. Spoons. Okay. So like wooden spoons. Uh, almost all the spoons you'll see on this channel, I, I carved myself. I used to be really um, addicted into that hobby, right, Tara? Yeah, yeah, you're great at it. That big wooden ladle that actually is from pear wood that went down during Hurricane Sandy. So during that period of time, which is what, 2008? around Hurricane Sandy? No, I think Sandy was, because James was already born. Um, I think Sandy was in 2012 or 2013. That sounds right. Um, yeah, but the, it was a Home Depot uh, in Farmingdale. And uh, I just went there and they, like the wood was cut. I took it and that 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 ladle was made from that, that wood. Yeah, that's so cool. I, I love that hobby. I almost started a YouTube channel with the wood carving. Like it would be like a silent one where I don't talk. Yeah. Can I listen to that channel? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds too good to be true. <laughs> it's your dream. Um, Tara's right though. A spider's good, uh, but you don't you don't hundred percent need one. You can just use a colander or whatnot. I mean, we can go. You know, you can keep expanding further yeah. and further. But I think those three that I said are really good mm -hmm. uh, if you're on a limited budget. Yeah. So talk about the cutting boards then, okay. you know, wood versus plastic and how, how to clean them. Along those lines, how I carved wood, I also was really into woodworking itself. So I had every tool, uh, planers, jointers, table saws, band saws, everything. I had a whole shop in Minnesota and I almost started a woodworking channel, right? How mm -hmm. close was I? Yeah. I was too nervous, guys. Can you believe that? I was nervous to go on camera. But... um. I didn't start it, but I did learn how to make cutting boards. So I had end grain cutting boards. And to make an end grain cutting board, it takes a ton of wood. You got to glue the long grain edge grain together, and then you're going to rip those into tiny little pieces, cubes, and then you turn them over and you're re-gluing it, and you got to sand it. It's a massive process. But the reason an end grain is so good is because, and, and what end grain means is if you're looking at a piece of wood, you have a long piece of wood. It's just that end part of it. You like look at it and then you'll see like a bunch of straws almost. Mm -hmm. That's all all points. And if you have all that facing up on your cutting board, which is called an end grain cutting board, they're by far the most expensive. They're self-healing. So like your knife goes into it. You can even let it rest there inside of it. You remove it. 24 hours later, that whole hole will be closed up. Mm -hmm. Versus if you have a long grain, you know, or just a flat piece of wood, yeah. it will kind of like make marks that will never go right, away. And right. they're much cheaper and they will warp also more than an end grain, a properly made end grain. Isn't an end grain better for your knife too? Yeah, it's way better for your yeah. knife. Way better for your knife. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's, that's the most important thing about it. Way better for your knife. You get much better feedback when you're cutting. Mm-hmm. You can actually hear the difference. And people, some people have watched the videos. I've said that. They're like, I love the sound of the end grain, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. You know, if you can't afford that because they are expensive, you can also buy yourself other, you know, other good. Like booze, in the beginning videos, I had, I just had the regular long grain cutting board, edge grain, I think. Um, and it was a maple one. And that one was like a big board. It was 18 by 24. And it was only about $100 on Amazon, which is cheap for something that thick and that big. The equivalent end grain would have been about, is about four or 500 by booze. If you don't want to use wood at all, you can use plastic. And getting into cleaning, plastic is a million times better for cleanliness, hygiene, all that. Because the wood, you, you cannot put your wood cutting board, no matter what type of grain it is, in your dishwasher. You will yeah. ruin it. 100% you will ruin it. So what I do is if you want to clean a wood cutting board, you bring bleach soaked uh, rag and then wipe it down 
and you can wipe it down and it will sanitize it and then dry it off. You always want to keep the your board, your wood cutting board dry. And then you can oil it. They sell oils for it that can go inside of it or kind of like butcher block uh, compound they're called. And I also will use that occasionally on my uh, wooden spoons. Mm-hmm. But plastic ones are great. Get If you do get plastic ones, make sure you get some with like a sticky part on the bottom so they don't move yeah. when, when you're cutting it. And restaurants will just... They'll take all their boards, whatever it is, wood, plastic, and they always put like a wet rag under it so it stops moving. Yeah, that's a good tip. Yeah. So the next question comes from Rosemary, and Rosemary was curious if either of us have ever been to Italy, and if so, what were our thoughts on the food experience there? That question is for Tara. I have never been to Italy. We probably won't go, the two of us, until the kids are older, I would say. Yeah, I think so. Tara, explain your, you went, Twice, right? I've been to Italy twice. The first time I went, I was a senior in high school. It was actually a school trip. Um, And I think it was really, I think it was like $600. It was really cheap. And we went to, you know, all the different cities. We went to Florence, Rome, Venice. I remember it being fun. I don't remember a whole lot about the food for that trip, other than I ate a lot of gelato. And it was delicious. Um, But because we were on a school trip, food wasn't really a priority. The second time I went, I went with my friend Angela. She had actually studied abroad and lived in Rome for a while. So when I went with her, she had already kind of knew her way around Rome. So we went there. We also went to Sicily. When it comes to food... The food in Rome doesn't really stand out to me. Um, I think I had eaten fettuccine Alfredo in one of the places that was supposedly authentic fettuccine Alfredo, and, and it was it was good. Um, but Italian Italian people get mad about yeah. Alfredo and gen- they they don't like that it was created in that right. tourist place in Rome. Right. Yeah. Right. And I remember getting pizza in Rome, and 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 it was you know it was it was good. My food experience that was out of this world was in Sicily. And the cities we went to in Sicily, we went to Syracuse and we went to Taramina. Everything I had there, with the exception of one place, really, really stands out in can my you, mind. Can you talk about the bad place? Like, yeah, it, so it wasn't bad, what, what but was it was it? it was like a fast food barilla place. Oh, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. wasn't bad, but it was like you go in and you order, like it was, everything was just like fast food pasta place. So again, it wasn't bad, but the food that, you know, really stands out. I had wonderful pasta alla norma at this restaurant in Taramina called, um, Trattoria Danino, which is still there. Actually, I looked it up recently. It's on Via Luigi Pirandello, which is across from the Pensioni Svizzera, which is the Pensioni hotel that we stayed at when we were there. We'd also eaten in this little restaurant in Taramina. There was two two sisters. They were probably like 80 years old that owned the place. And we had gotten, I think it was, um, it was a pesto. I think it was with gnocchi. And we also had a, their homemade sausage, which was in a red wine broth, which was delicious. Um, I had gotten like prawns and linguine alla vongole in Syracuse, which was out of this world. But Probably my favorite food experience in Sicily was just every morning waking up and getting a cappuccino and a cornetto. A cornetto is kind of like a croissant that's filled with chocolate. And that's what we would eat every morning for breakfast. And it was so good. We have to make those. We do. I know it's a lot of work. We do. We do. And then one other comment I have, and that was about... um, the first night that we were there in Syracuse, we I had gotten a slice of pizza. Mm. So it was Sicilian pizza. It was a square and it had eggplant on it. And I remember just eating it and I was so amazed because I could taste each individual ingredient. Mm. It just, everything tasted fresh. So overall, my experience there with food was really, really good. I would say... Once I returned to the U.S., it was really hard for me to drink American coffee. <laughs> I heard that coffee is amazing. The coffee there is truly like amazing. Like I heard the coffee 
pizza, a lot of people go there and they say the pizza is better in New York. Like, oh, mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, it's hard to find people who don't say that. Yeah. Coffee, though, I've heard people like they want to open those places yeah. here, but they don't know if they it would work for the American culture. So the one coffee place that that I found here in New York that I would say compares to that in Italy is Aldo in Greenport. Oh, yeah. Um, he roasts his beans there. He is he's actually Italian who I think he was like born in France, but he's he's Italian. Um, and his coffee to me tastes the most similar to coffee in Italy. Mm. Strong. It's, I like his coffee. We, we're still trying strong. to figure out how to, we're still trying to, it, it's crazy with the beans to use his beans. And we, we have a espresso machine now, mm -hmm. which ta ta I haven't used it one time. Tara's been using it. So it's yeah. actually nice that I don't have to learn how to do this. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. His beans, you have to do a completely different setting than the kicking horse from Amazon that we've been ordering. Yeah, 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 because his beans, I think, are younger. So they've like been roasted fewer than, there's something like less it than 30 more, days or something like that. They don't lose the potency. Yeah, but I would say that's that's the closest. So I, I guess that kind of, you know, sums up my, my food experience in Italy. And I will add that the gelato there is like just... It's it's so much better than any I, gelato you can get and here. And that's for you guys who like that stuff. I'm Tara always just, I could, she shakes her head that I, I tell her I can it. I tell her I can go my whole life with never having ice cream, gelato, any anything like that again. But take an apple yeah. pie away from me and I don't know if I could make yeah, it. Yeah, I can do without the apple pie, but I could eat pistachio gelato for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. <laughs> that's what's nice, guys. You have these you know, everybody's got the thing they like. And yeah. that's that's what makes that's what makes it interesting. That's true. So leave your comments again at podcast at sippingfeast.com. We'll see you next time.